Hour three of the morning show underway here on a Friday, the 27th of October. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Neil Atkins joins us during this hour. Morning, Neil. Only for you, Dave, and the thousands of people (laughs) in the Northland that listen into our radio show. And we appreciate it. You brought with you a special guest. I do. Somebody that I Mm -hmm. uh, served on the city council with, and we were on each... The same side from time, most of the time, mm-hmm. opposite from time to time, but <laughs> what the heck, it uh, works out. Roger Reinert's here with us. Former, hey, good morning, guys. Former city council, state senator, running for mayor. Right. Man about town. Yeah. Lieutenant commander? Or command- commander. Commander. Oh, oh my gosh. Shipmate. Navy. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah, I made commander two years ago now, so. You uh, you made the same rank as my, uh, my dad when he retired. He retired as a lieutenant colonel. Oh wow! Same okay. uh, same status. Uh, Navy, it's commander. Army, it's lieutenant colonel, and Marines. Lieutenant. But you were you were tied together. You were brighter and went Navy. I did. My dad was happy. He said, <laughs> "Don't," and he was a southerner. I go, he goes, "Boy, don't join the army. If you're going anything, join the Navy or the Air Force." And he was that classic old uh, hardball North Carolina colonel, and uh, he was just one of those guys. He's a character, Southern gentleman. Yeah, all the way through. So yeah, my mom was here originally and met him out during the Great Depression. She worked for the Social Security Administration when it first started, and he was working for Univac, setting up the first computer system. Yeah, which was punch cards. Yeah, yeah. For Social Security back in the late 1930s. That's how they met. He's from North Carolina. She's from good old Duluth. And right. there you go. In buildings bigger than this one, right? To house one computer? Oh, it was. It, he told me a little bit about it. It was like uh, the building was almost a mile long with all the. It was huge. It was huge. Wow. But, and now now the cell phone is uh, yeah. 20 <laughs> times more powerful than that first <laughs> computer. It's just yeah. uh, something else. Yeah. So, Roger, you are running for. for yeah, we're 11 days out, I think. Yeah. yeah Who's yeah. counting? Me, me, I'm counting. (laughs) I see. uh, Well, first, let's uh, tell a little bit about yourself. Sure. I think people know who you are, but maybe, uh, you know, what you've been up to the last few years. Yeah. So uh, background in uh, education, taught high school, taught college, still do. I um, have one class this semester at Scholastica, a legal class that I teach for all the business majors. So we do fun things like negligence and contracts, employment law. Um, uh, served, of course. Uh, actually, what Neil left out is that we ran against each other uh, the very first we time, did. and and Neil beat me. Landslide. Like, it yeah. was a landslide. <laughs> it was a recount. We had in the prior in the general election. I think it was thirty votes or less, and wow. then they did a recount, and we had sixteen Team I think votes. It was sixteen, it was votes 16. Between the two of us. Yeah, and we we went back and forth. And poor Jeff Cox was the city clerk at the time, and he's. Stacking these, and we're going. We had our seconds there yep. with us, making sure that everything was done, and and I ended up persevering by sixteen votes. And <laughs> but folks, if you ever want a look inside democracy, be part of a recount. Uh, you would think filling in the oval is easy. Yeah. Um, people people make other choices, <laughs> and then you look at it, and both teams have to go. Well, I don't know. Is is this star that's sort of by Neil's name for Neil? <laughs> what wow. were they trying to do there? Um, no, I was, uh, and I think I bring that up because, uh, um, you know, and here we are friends. I mean, we yeah. had a chance to actually then serve on the council yeah. together. And like you said, oftentimes together, not always. Um, but so served on the council uh, for five years, then went to the legislature, was in the House for one term, in the Senate for two terms, chose not to run again in 2016. 
as we were just chatting, I've been in the, this is my 19th year in the, in the Navy, uh, now reserves. And so left the legislature and the Navy said, hey, we've got something for you. Uh, it's so, always a good deal. Yeah, it's always a good, mm-hmm. yeah, it was Afghanistan. So uh, went, it was in there, uh, Afghanistan, 2018-19, came home, was home not for very long, left again at the start of COVID because our U.S. 6th Fleet and uh, Naval Forces Europe Africa are both in Naples. So we had a team of 13 reservists that just took on COVID. Um, it feels like forever ago, but Italy yeah. was the global hotspot at the time. Um, came home, was at the, the deck uh, for 11 months uh, during the worst part of, the, of COVID. And then thought I was done. Like mm-hmm. I, that, that's three years. That, that is three uh, years. Um, and then, but actually at the, the end of the, my, uh, my interim time at the deck, people started talking about mayor. And it really was like, I know you'll never do this, but... You'd be crazy to do this, but, hmm. uh, it, you know, and as I, I, you know, having served, like when, when you understand the mission, it's hard to say no. And once I realized that what people were concerned about were also my concerns and that the worst thing that could happen is maybe we'd have a meaningful election, which we haven't had for 16 years. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah. Uh, 07 was the last uh, yeah. real contested primary and uh, yeah. really contested election. So uh, four well, years ago, two thirds of people didn't vote. You know, I know that, and we watched. I, I watched that unfold, and, and uh, of course, we monitored it and we watched it going on, and, and uh, try to get all the candidates on. And that election, uh, the fellow that ran against the incumbent, um, you know, he did a little bit of a campaign, and no, nobody really knew who he was. Right. I met him a couple times, and she had, you know, pretty light competition the uh, first couple times, and yep. this is the first again, as as the newspaper has said. This is, you are the first dramatic challenge since 07 when Herb Bergson was booted out in the primary. Right. By Donnie Ness and Charlie Bell. Right. So so here you've got people excited. Uh, I think we're going to have a, a a really dramatic turnout here in the general election. I hope so. Yeah. You know, we saw in the primary doubling, two things I took away from the big primary win um, you know, the 63% was nice, but the two things that were really fascinating to me because um, I'm a numbers geek. Number one, we doubled voter turnout. So mm-hmm. four years ago, it was 6,700 people. This year, it was 13,000. Yep. Um, anecdotally, a lot of people who told me they'd never voted in a primary before, so that was encouraging. Um, but, you know, we say in the biz in the biz that yard signs don't vote. In in the primary, they did. Where we had heavy yard signs, we, we had heavy margins. Where it was wow. closer, the margins were closer. So... You know, we won 30 out of 35 precincts, and the, the win percentage is almost, almost matched uh, kind of how many yard signs we had in that part of town. So. Well, as a rule of thumb, uh, yard signs equal to at least three votes. And uh, when you look at it, the, the numbers out there, you look at your yard signs, and, and then there's everything else. You're out there knocking on doors, and you're meeting people. And, uh, and you're right, people... I have always voted in primaries, but a lot of people, they don't think about it. And, and, and then when the state changed the primary from August. September to August, that's even more out of right. sight, out of mind. Yeah. But at least I think it was 24% uh, plus of the voters that voted in the last one. It was, what, 12 or 13? It was all, yeah. about half. That yeah, was 11% four years ago, yeah. 24% this year. Um, you know, in tw- 2007, we had 51% voter turnout for the general. So that's the last time we were over 50%. Yeah. And again, four years ago, it was 38. So 
I'm encouraged that people are going to vote. They're paying attention. They're engaged. And, you know, the onslaught of the, the negative D.C.-style attack stuff we've mm-hmm. seen. I got the whole stack here. you got a stack of flyers. Six, well, that's six, the thing. Besides lawn signs, you've got <laughs> mailings this time around yeah. to show how yeah. important this race is, I guess. Yeah. A lot of outside they, they're entities. They're all negative. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and they're, they're packed. Packed. Right. It's, it's uh, a lot of it's not coming from your opponent's campaign committee. They're right. coming yeah. from uh, well-funded packs out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, far, all six have been out of St. Paul, yeah. um, wow. which is a little little discouraging in just our our little local big small town uh, mm-hmm. election. We like to, and Martin is all Duluthians, most of whom have never done a campaign before, so super <laughs> proud of the work they're doing. You know, and our motto is a Duluth race for for a Duluth mayor. Oh, that's that's the way she goes. So tell us now, you're out there stumping. I've had a bunch of city council candidates on the show. Right. And they're highlighting some of the issues they're hearing from people on the street. What are you hearing from people? I mean, it really, you know, we spent the first, so we announced in January, and I intentionally went from January to filing, which is mid-May, just talking, talking and listening, not telling. Um, and out of that uh, came the five issues that we've talked about ever since, because those are what pe- are on people's minds. Uh, housing across all income levels, uh, growing our commercial tax base, streets, uh, downtown, Duluth, yep. and affordable property taxes. I mean, they're really basic local government stuff. Well, I, and I'll, almost, literally all the other candidates that are running that have come on the show have highlighted basically the same stuff. One of the biggest issues, obviously, is safety in the downtown area, and I hear this from business owners yeah. and people that work downtown that are uh, not happy about what they see going on. A lot of excuses out there. The yeah. Constitution protects people to infringe on our rights uh, on the street, and that turns away people coming in the downtown area. I don't know how you deal with that unless you challenge it in the Supreme Court and and get a ruling and dig in your heels. But I I know in the in the past uh, there were uh, police chiefs that um, got people off the streets because they looked at violations that they would have done, like throwing some you know litter or whatever the case is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's an issue. We've had one of our employees here at yep. the radio station uh, get got attacked twice in, in the, the parking ramp. ramp. Yep, got bit by a dog, and they were more concerned about the dog than they. He had to go through rabies shots. Yeah, and that's the attitude that came out of City Hall. I mean, it's really challenging that the four public ramps that the city owns are some of the most problematic places in downtown right now. I had a meeting with the company that uh, the city contracts with to run the ramps, and. Uh, when they took that contract, their security budget was $45,000. It's now $650,000 wow. J- just from the company side. So that's not counting the couple hundred thousand dollars the council approved to sort of harden the tech center right. uh, ramp. You know, But to come back to the, the public safety, we just had our 14th and final debate last night. Um, which is, 14 is exhausting, guys. I'm just going to say that. But it's also the product of a meaningful race, right? right? A yeah, year good for, to have. I mean, people. that's a good way for people to find out where everybody stands on yeah, the issues. So. From community clubs to business right. groups to, you know, uh, most of the major media in town uh, hosted something. You know, and, and one of the facts, uh, I, I love Mark Twain's uh, There Are Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics. Uh, <laughs> we've seen that a lot in this race. You know, one that's gotten used a lot is crime is down 22%. Mm-hmm. Now, calls for service are down 22% because people have just stopped calling. 
Um, and so one of the things that uh, I look forward to doing as mayor is saying to the community, we can't accept a new norm. We need you to let law enforcement, the clean and safe team, you know, those who are out there to be a teamwork uh, teammate in this, let them know. If you see something, you need to say something. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I, I talked about this last night. If we look at objective statistics, there's a, a fairly credible organization known as the FBI um, that tracks violent crime in our community. Uh, and in 2016, we had something like 316 violent crime incidents, and last year we had 322. Mm-hmm. So the the narrative that crime is down, you know, isn't accurate, and it's not what people um, are feeling or perceiving as they move around the community. And it's not just downtown. Well, perception is a deal uh, throughout the whole town. I had uh, candidates running from uh, West Duluth to the East End and talking about what's happening on West Duluth, crime-related incidents. Even though my old neighborhood was in West Duluth. And, yeah. and we, uh, I've talked to some of my former neighbors, and, and they have some real concerns in, in that neighborhood also. Dave says we have to go I'm sorry, and yes, uh, take a quick take... little hiatus, but All we right. shall return. 827 now at KDAL. The morning show continues in just minutes. New job? Retiring? Want more control of a present IRA? Take control of your investments by transferring funds from one tax-qualified plan to another tax deferred whether you have an employer-sponsored retirement plan rollover an existing ira or simply need to make an ira contribution we can help to schedule a no obligation consultation call neil atkins your satara advisor networks llc member finra sipc financial advisor at 218-727-4767 or 218-729-7733 this is the kdal morning show with Dave Strandberg and Neil Atkins. And we are back, 831 now at KDAL. The morning show continuing. Neil Atkins and Roger Reiner joining us this morning. And then Rick Jordan kind of button in here, but that's Let's okay. talk about we Jimmy like, Buffett. <laughs> I, like I will do that uh, any day. Jimmy Buffett and the, I look, Rick's trying to find a song on his uh, handheld oh. device there. Yeah. So, so Roger, tell me, what are the big issues that came out? Uh, obviously, and this has been ongoing. When, when I ran for mayor in 1995... I'm thinking that's like a galaxy far, far away. Before my time. Before your time. <laughs> Nothing was, is before my time. Uh, well, wait, wait a second. I remember you were that interviewing well. me then. Yeah. But it, streets and potholes yeah. were yeah, the yeah. big issue. Yeah. And not it, it's 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 worse, as bad if not worse than it was then. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And nobody seems to have ever gotten a handle on that. Yeah. And you're hearing that from people oh, for right sure. and left. Yep. Somebody uh, wonders where their front end went on their car. Yeah. Well, and last winter, I, you know, we had a record snowfall. We couldn't keep up with plowing. I thought it was ironic. We got the snow emergency thing in the mail yesterday. It, it, I looked at the one I had from the year before. They're both identical, no changes. Uh, and yet we never called one yeah. in, the, in the heaviest, uh, snowiest winter ever. And, you know, part of the problem with the streets already being poor in being in poor condition, not being able to plow them well, uh, and we all know this, we ended up with asphalt in our yards because uh-huh. the ice and the water adhere to the asphalt. It's not affixed to the road, and it comes up when our plow drivers are out there. I really, I, I took some offense to Mayor Larson last night saying that when I talk about expect more, do better, that that was some attack at our city workers. And I just had to point out We've got the police endorsement. We've got the fire endorsement. And ask me, endorse no one. Right. You know, so no one at City Hall is asking for their current boss. It's not about the city employees. It's about the leadership. And when we look at how we're addressing streets and, you know, what you kind of said, what I feel, what most Duluthians feel is they've never seen our streets as, as bad as they are right now. 
we have to do something different. Um, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so one of the approaches I've taken is go sit down with people who clearly are doing it well, like St. Louis County. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorite, for those of us who live on the west side of town, go to 57th Avenue West, Cody, uh, and look to your left, that's city. Look to your right, that's county. And it is night and day difference. So meeting with the county engineering staff and public works, you know, they said we both have this half-cent sales tax, which is a good tool because it can help us catch up and move forward. But what they said is when we got it, and this was Commissioner Keith Nelson from the range who um, brought this idea forward, bond against that half-cent tax. They built up almost $70 million that they spent in three years rebuilding so they got over the hump of diminishing returns because sure. yeah. they're like, you will never catch up otherwise. Yes, you may do 17, 18, 19. I love that because it's an election year, we're going to do 20 next year, and then it falls back to 14.9 and 14.7. They're like, if you don't get ahead over that hump, you'll never catch up. How many hundreds yeah. of miles of streets do we have? We have roughly 464. Yeah. The yeah. Count, county has 3,000. Yeah. The county does a better job. When you, when you do uh, 12 miles a year, yeah. it really doesn't get there. Well, if you just do the simple math, it right. takes almost 40 years to do a complete cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the big takeaway from the county was they now, with that half-cent sales tax, about 20% goes to maintaining the bond. The other 80% goes primarily to maintaining new roads instead of building. Because oh, when we only build 17, 18, 19, the others get worse. What does that uh, half percent bring into the city? Um, it is, uh, I'd have to look it up. I'm not going to guess okay. on the air. I know I've got it. I've got it in my binder. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I don't have that number up yet. A significant amount of money. Yeah, yeah, several million dollars. One of the things that when, when you and I were on the council together and people are always crab about property taxes, and of course that's a big issue, a lot of people, they, they see their property tax statement and they think all the money goes to the city of Duluth. And really, it's about 23% goes to the city of Duluth. The rest is the county and the school district. So where does the rest of the money come from? And sales taxes yeah. bring in more money than property taxes yeah. to the city of Duluth. Yeah. Well, and then let's go a step further. Local government aid, which is a state subsidy. Um, I mean, we throw out LGA and we think that everybody knows what that means. LGA is local government aid. It's money given us by the state of Minnesota. Completely political money. Um, You know, when you and I were on the council, it was unreliable Mm -hmm. because St. Paul leadership didn't believe in LGA. And this is something, you know, it's being touted. So just let me pause for a second. It is by far our number one source of revenue. LGA right now makes up almost a third of the revenue for the city of Duluth, followed by sales tax, followed then by property taxes. So my concern about this reliance on LGA is you and I both served at a time when it was unreliable. It would get cut, and we'd have to make cuts. Um, That is uh, is a driving factor in why we have to do better on growing our commercial tax base, because then we can be self-reliant and know we can actually afford to pay for what we want in our local community. One one of the things I'll bring up just for fun, because this is in memory of our friend Dorothy Bowman, Mm. uh, tax increment finance. Yeah. I I saw the, uh, there's a couple of developments coming up there, housing developments. We talked about housing and uh, a TIF or tax increment financing was set up to provide for jobs and economic development mm-hmm. for long-term jobs originally when it all came about. And now we see two apartment complexes that they're looking to fund with tax increment financing, which the devil's in the details. On one side, it's great. We need the housing. But the other side, the purpose of that tax increment wasn't really to build housing. 
It was to provide permanent, good-paying jobs for people. And when you build the housing, it's temporary jobs. Right. It's great for the construction industry, right. but it's not great for the long-term industry. Well, and I think that's become a little bit of an issue in this campaign because I've raised concerns about our reliance on TIF, on tax abatement. Mm-hmm. Um, what the public needs to know is that whether it's TIF, tax increment financing, or tax abatement, the city gets no property taxes for maybe as many as 30 years. Mm-hmm. Now, when you and I served, we were pretty good about the whole but-for test, right? It's supposed to be but-for this additional tool, this project would not get done. That's not how it's viewed anymore. Now it's, well, here's a way to give money back to the developer, like we can make it more cost-efficient. I argue what we need to do is have an environment where people want to do business in Duluth, and you and I are competing with each other because we both want to do business here. It's such a great environment. Instead, what we have is an environment where people say, well, I mean, if you want us to do it here, we want we want this local money because that'll help our bottom line, which, you know, like to Costco, almost $5 million in TIF over the, um, uh, the life of that project. Great. I don't blame them, right? They're playing the game as any anyone would. But the reality is, had we been a more competitive environment, had we not almost lost that project to Hermantown, mm-hmm. we'd have $5 million coming into local property taxes to help pay for things. Well, on that particular project, initially they were going to pull out because they ran up against a brick wall, apparently, with the city. Right. It was touted, though, as, an, as a success last night in our debate. I'm like, we almost lost it. Like, it was pulling it out of the dumpster fire. Because it became a front page item. I had Eric Forsman on City Council, Eric Forsman on the show uh, a month or two ago, and we highlighted on that. And actually, he was one of the guys yep. that got out there and screamed bloody murder. What the heck's going on here? Yeah, as a counselor, and I, I have to acknowledge too, Eric, because of Eric Forsman's leadership, we saw the pay bump for our cops. So they're now more middle of the pack. You know, we're now seeing a little bit of a pay bump for our firefighters who currently are second from the bottom in the professional uh, firefighters in the state of Minnesota. So unusual to see a council in a strong mayor form of government leading on, on those issues, um, but really a testament to Eric's leadership on that on that council. On, on that note, uh, and Dave's kind of looking at me like we might have a break <laughs> coming up, but we'll, we'll think, we'll think, I'll throw this out and we'll think about this. Uh, I've, I've challenged some of the uh, candidates and asked them exactly what should the city be providing. And you're a guy that's going back to basics. And you know as well as I do, sometimes cities have taken on way much more than they right. were ever supposed to have taken on. Right. Tell us about your ideas. No, I mean, that is, right? Our, you think of lay, uh, levels of government, local, county, state, federal. Local's job is really basic. It is streets, utilities, public safety. Priority, parks, community centers, libraries, next priority, anything else comes mm-hmm. after that. And I think when you go out and you talk to Duluthians and, and they say, you know, it's just time for something different, what they're saying is, I want the city to do well with basic city services. I think it's fascinating in several thousand conversations now, what I've not heard is, um, I call it the tax rant. I mean, I served at the state. I know what the tax rant sounds like. That's not what people say. They say, I'm paying a lot, and they had, the taxes have more than doubled, uh, and even just the city portion has more than doubled. But they're saying, and I feel like I've seen a degradation of city services. So I'm paying a lot and getting less, and they're trying to figure out what that is. So when I talk about it, I say we're losing taxpayer trust because we're not doing the basics and doing them really well. All right. With that, we'll take a break. All right. Dave. It is 841 at KDAL. Good morning. Now. 
is the KDAL Morning Show. And we are back. Final portion of the morning show here on a Friday, the 27th of October. Should mention that uh, tomorrow will be the final day at the uh, Duluth Farmers Market. Oh, I got to go. That'll be from uh, noon until, make that from 8 a.m. until noon. Uh, Duluth Farmers Market, of course, 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street. Lots of stuff still being harvested here as we get into the well, cold we weather. We really had the the big deep frost. Yeah, yet. well, this we're going to get that this weekend, I'm afraid. This yeah. weekend, it looks like. Snowing it. in northwestern Minnesota oh, this morning. Hear, yeah. If you saw any pictures from the Dakotas over the last uh-oh, couple of days, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh, I'm uh-oh. sure glad we're not getting any of that yet because it looks like midwinter out there now. It's, yeah, well, North Dakota is a different, oh, a different animal out there, yeah. to say the least. But as far as our weather goes, uh, the highs we're having now, 40, 45 degrees. That'll be it for the rest of the week. We won't get any higher than this for yeah, 30s coming up, at least so. a week. Yeah, it'll be 30s the rest of the time. So Roger Reinert running mm-hmm. for mayor. Good morning, guys. You were on the deck board, the Entertainment and Convention Center's board. I was, yeah. And then... Uh, when uh, the past director left, you were appointed the interim director for about 11 months. Yep. And that's about three years ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what the heck's going on with this now down there? I know they tried to throw you under the bus. Yeah, that has been interesting. The narrative of us, uh, you know, being asked to step. So first of all, I uh, um, did it for free for a month. I'd just gotten back from Italy, did my two weeks of quarantine because we were still in the throes of the worst part of COVID. Um, we didn't have a leader at the deck at the time. So for a month, I was a board liaison just to try and help the staff move forward. And then for about 11 months, we ran the place with like 12 staff, um, just trying to keep it alive. And so the narrative now that somehow there were, there were all these things I should have done as, as a short-term interim, uh, that three years later would have put the deck in a better position. First of all, I just love, uh, uh, I think we all know John Ramos and the the Monitor. So he did a really great article that showed, you know, when I came in, there was a $1.2 million reserve and we were losing about two fifty dollars a month because we couldn't do anything, right? right? right. I mean, even when uh, the pandemic was in full force. Full force. And when the governor started to allow things, we could do maybe 100 people in in 800,000 square feet of space. And, you know, but when I left, we had uh, um, reversed that trend. We had 2.1 million in reserve. And uh, there was another 750,000 that came that uh, just had to, the check just had to be deposited. So almost a $3 million um, reserve. So feel proud of the work that I did there. Um, you know, I think the the challenges there are twofold. It's, you know, first of all, aligning the staff with their earned revenue. Um, you know, and I would also, and you know, and I think we talked a little bit off air, the mayor appoints seven of the 11 board members uh, for the deck. And one of my messages as mayor to the mayoral appointees is you really need to focus on the statutory mission of the deck. And the statutory mission of the deck, the reason that it is an authority, the reason that it gets public subsidy in our tourism taxes is to be this platform for our industry, not just for Duluth, but for the entire region, not to be doing all the things, but to be the platform that supports the things. So... Obviously, the deck has large events that no one else can host, but then it's an opportunity to push other activities into our hotels, into our motels, into our other local businesses. Um, It is an opportunity to 
uh, also partner um, with Bayfront, with the city, with things like Nathan Bentley mm-hmm. and uh, um, Bentleyville. And then, of course, it has a civic mission, uh, a public mission, to be not just a place where we gather for for public things like state state of the city addresses, but also like an emergency. It, yeah. it is a place that has redundant resources so the, the community can be in times of natural disaster. Well, I know the deck has been used. You know, when you do public events down there, uh, they don't charge for parking. Mm-hmm. And we've done events in the past that uh, that are for the public, and that's been one of the good staging deals. And then, of course, right. when you do the home show and the boat show and the sports show and a whole bunch of the others. I know one time I, I consulted with Amsoil, and we had their 21st, uh, 25th anniversary convention down at the deck. Sure. And I really got to know, though, that's when Dan Russell was the director. I yeah. really got to know how you pay for everything when you're a promoter down there because you do pay for everything. Right. <laughs> but it is it is a multifaceted deal. We, I think we yeah. had about 2,500 uh, Amsoil dealers from all over the oh, country sure. and the world that came to it. But then there was another little event going off to the side where they had some uh, a go-kart event going on. Yeah. And people were kind of worried that this might compete. Well, it turned out the dealers loved it. It was a separate event. So there were pieces that were going. You said it's 800,000 square feet. Yeah, a million if you had Bayfront. So you've got this going on and that going on, and it it combines. And nowhere else was a 2,500 air group going to be hosted. Right. And I think most of the hotels in town, they're 350 to 400 maximum. And those are those good venues out there, too, and that brings everybody into the fold. Right, exactly. You know, and and, uh, we all know that the the deck is that place that we gather as a community, but I also just want to come back again to as a region. It's not just, you know, it is the Duluth Entertainment and Convention Center, but it really is all of northeastern Minnesota, northwestern Wisconsin, that gathering place for civic events, for commercial events, um, for entertainment events. You know, and a couple things that uh, I learned during my short stint there. First of all, I could quote the HVAC stats like nobody's business, right? (laughs) I mean, that was what mattered at the time. I learned that if you opened the louvers on Symphony Hall, uh, that we could uh, circulate air, uh, have a complete turnover of air within an hour. Now, people might be uncomfortable because you were bringing in cold air from the outside, um, but that mattered at that time. Um, We met with the... uh, of um, the architects who designed Amsoil, uh, Brian, the lead architect. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it was designed for concerts and, and with Smokey Vac for like a Kiss concert or something, right? <laughs> um, if you threw that uh, on, good for HVAC, good for circulation, it would actually levitate papers off a table. Oh like like it, it is a really robust <laughs> with 11 entry and exit points. So at one point we, pos- we uh, pitched to the governor's uh, COVID team Hey, let's do 1,100-person pods. Um, you know, let's find, figure out ways to be innovative and use this space and generate some revenue so UMD can play hockey. They need to generate revenue. So, you know, it was definitely a challenging time, but also an interesting time to be there. But the other thing that I learned is, right, the symphony, the uh, bulldog hockey, um, uh, the Shamrock production folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, there really is a handful, the Marcus Theaters, handful of people that – that pay most of the bills at the deck. I mean, they are the foundation. And then with the tourism tax uh, um, inflow, then you have the ability to land those big groups. And that's what the deck really needs to do so that we can continue to um, uh, push into our uh, local hospitality industry. One of the concerning stats that that I've been following is 
um, our occupancy at our local hotels is down and has been down for over a year now. Rates are up um, because expenses are up. So you look at the tourism tax like, hey, more tourism tax. Well, I mean, a percentage of more is more. But the concerning underlying statistic is less people are staying here. Um, and that that is something that we need to address to ensure the long-term health of our tourism industry. Do you, th- do you think they've overbuilt? I know I notice there's more hotel rooms appearing. I've talked to some folks in the hotel industry, and, of course, they've been concerned about an overbuilding. And, of course, sure. they, almost, they, they were dying on the vine during the pandemic. Yep. And uh, so do you think that's... I, and VRBOs, um, you know, we've increased VRBO yep. licenses in the community, which, you know, you mentioned housing earlier is one of the factors. Rental conversions and VRBO conversions is definitely not making our limited housing situation better. So I think both those things are, are factors in there as well. Roger, final deals. I know we've got about about a minute and a half left here. Uh, I'll give you two or three. Two or three. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Other Just because you've been pleasant there. so far. Business and economic development. Yeah. Uh, Let's let's talk a little bit about that. We, well, I mean, ahead. we talked about it earlier, and you know, I I uh, get tagged by the mayor as as um, pitching a tired old narrative, and it, it's not a tired old narrative. We are a difficult place to do business, uh, and you can go today and find people that will tell you the stories of how hard it was to work with City Hall to move projects forward. And I always say this is why this matters because commercial property taxes pay the bills. Mm. So when we're not growing that commercial property tax base, when we have to use things like TIF and tax abatement, which we talked about earlier, to attract people to do business in Duluth, we're actually shorting ourselves sometimes for as many as 30 years. So from a city hall standpoint, from every employee who touches this, including the leadership team, our attitude has to be, how do you get to yes? This fits zoning. This fits code. It doesn't mean I'm going to go there. It doesn't mean I'll ever spend a dollar there. But my job is to help you move your project forward. And the real challenge right now is Hermantown is. Mm -hmm. Superior is. Go over and spend some time on Tower Avenue. You know, Superior is eating our lunch right now. And instead of being like, you shouldn't say that, like, no, we have to be realistic about what we see going on and how we can do better. No, I hear that loud and clear. I know I see it. I, I live out in the Pike Lake area now. I'm... I can't. I can't vote uh, in the election. I always I, say you have to find somebody who can. I know. I, I, I throw it out. I throw it <laughs> out to everybody. So, but I, and I still. I have all my former neighbors and friends. Uh, you know, many of my clients in my business there in Duluth, and, yeah. and and many over in Superior, Wisconsin too. And so, uh, uh, one of the organizations I work with, we have a location in Superior. And then we have uh, one in Hermantown and one in Duluth, and another organization I work with, we have a location up in Two Harbors. So I get to see all the thing going around. And uh, the competitiveness, what I see going on in Hermantown, some of the huge apartment complex, there's another one that's going up in Hermantown, another huge one up there uh, for housing. And it's not going to be low-income housing. This is all market-rate housing. And I see some of the things that have happened over at Superior and granted, co- competition is there now. And Duluth, yeah. uh, we don't, you know, you don't want uh, the surrounding communities to eat our lunch. Yep. Roger, your website and all that, Jess? We got RogerFordDuluth.com. We're on all the socials at Roger for Duluth. Uh, our closing mm-hmm. argument is like, 
Hey, if you think Duluth is headed in the right direction, vote for a third term. But if you've got concerns, you expect more, want to do something different, vote for change on November 7th. Okay, November 7th, coming up in uh, 10 days almost. <laughs> there you go. It'll be right after the 6th. It's amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? Roger, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday to do another morning show here on KDAL. And Neil will be back, too, 8 o'clock Monday morning. Drive you crazy.